Please join me for a word of prayer as we remain standing. Oh God, take my words and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our will and set them on fire for love of your Son in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Welcome to Christ the King. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Those were the words of Jesus to his disciples. That word trouble refers as the same word that's used to water that's been stirred up by a storm. That's a great mental or visual picture of what troubled heart may look like. You compare a peaceful lake to a troubled sea and you get the sense that it's a great picture of what it feels like to be troubled. Another word we would say is anxious. Don't let your hearts be anxious. Uh, mental health, anxiety are in the forefront of many of our, uh, our thoughts these days, aren't they? Um, we're all aware of the impact on, uh, of the isolation inspired by the pandemic and the effects that that has caused on mental well-being. I receive emails from our counselors at our kids' school just highlighting opportunities for my uh, the, the students to take advantage of, all under the umbrella of caring for uh, the mental health and stability of, of students. You know, this is a popular subject. I just don't remember issues of mental health being so much in the forefront of, you know, Ted Lasso, for instance, popular entertainment. is a very strong theme there in that um, uh, comedy. We're aware of... Uh, you know, the effect of mental stress on athletes as well. The Olympics are, of course, being a, a prime example of that, or at least a prime opportunity for stress and mental uh, anxiety to play a, a role, a negative role. So this word from Jesus to us is especially timely. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. We're hosting a course in education and formation entitled The Worries of the World. And in that course, we're addressing many of the causes of anxiety and we're turning our attention to some of the resources that we have through our faith to address the worries of the world. And uh, you know, I've been privy to the communications between our facilitators and our guest speakers. We have an excellent guest speaker uh, this morning. And as our facilitators have lined up these guest speakers, they've said, we want to do two things for the parish. Number one, we want to normalize anxiety. We want to normalize the fact that, hey, anxiety and worry are just a part of life. And two, we want to turn our eyes to the, our thoughts to the resources that we have through our, our faith to how we can address the worries of the world. And this passage does just that. First, it normalizes worry and anxiety. Jesus' words to his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled, are addressed to people who have spent time with Jesus. In other words, uh, don't think that your proximity to Jesus is going to be uh, the, the antidote for your worry. No, good Christians from the very beginning of the days to now encounter anxiety. Further, you know, Jesus himself experienced worry. Uh, maybe not the same worry. I don't think Jesus was concerned about the future. I don't think he was anxious about the unknowns, but there's a, a really stirring passage in John chapter 11 that counts Jesus and uh, the death of his friend Lazarus. And what we read is that Jesus was deeply troubled and stirred in his spirit. And so the same turbulent waters that the disciples encountered on that night when uh, Jesus told him of his betrayal and Peter's 
uh, coming denial, that same sort of turmoil is what Jesus experienced at the grave of Lazarus. Further in our class, we've thought about the physiological effects of anxiety and worry, uh, that it affects your, your uh, physiological, it affects your stomach, your digestion. Well, interestingly, in that passage, it says Jesus uh, was deeply troubled and moved in his spirit. That word spirit sounds a little too spiritual. It actually, it's, it's his, there's no polite way to say it. He's moved into his, into his guts. He felt it in his, in his body. And are you worried? Are you anxious? Do you have trouble eating? Uh, you're not alone. Worries are part of life. Jesus experienced them. His disciples experienced them. And it's just part of the human condition. Nonetheless, nonetheless, Jesus does tell his disciples, don't be worried. Let your hearts not be troubled. And therefore, there have to be some reasonable things that you and I can do. There must be some things that are true of Jesus that will allow us to do what he says we should do. Don't worry. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And this morning, I want to turn to three things that I see in this passage. Three things that are inspired by three questions of the disciples that can help us address the worries of the world. You can find some sermon notes in your service leaflet. And the first question I see is from Peter. Peter, the impetuous disciples. Now the setting is, of course, that Peter, uh, Jesus has just told his disciples of his coming betrayal. Uh, Peter has said, you know, I will go with you to the end of the earth. Peter, uh, Jesus' response is, Peter, you don't know your own heart. You'll deny me three times. And Peter's response is, why, Lord, why can't I go with you? And I think that question of why is a, a great indicator of anxiety. Why, Lord? This seems like a good thing for, to do. Why can't I follow you? Isn't that, that sounds very much within the pale of things that would be expected of followers of Christ. I'm going to follow you. No, you're not. Why? A little humorous... Um, Illustration. Have you seen the movie Bruce Almighty? It's not a great one. It came out some 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I'm not sure. So you're probably going to be turned off simply by the plot. But the plot is Jim Carrey's character is given uh, all the responsibilities of divinity for uh, a brief moment. And so the story goes like this. Bruce is some frustrated middle manager. I don't know exactly what. And he's pursuing a job or something. And he doesn't get it in his life. He's full of frustration. And he throws up his hands in exasperation. He says something like, why, Lord? <laughs> Not unlike what Peter may have said. Why? And then God played none other than by uh, Morgan, Morgan Freeman, of course, who also would play God, but Morgan Freeman, right? Uh, calls in Bruce and says, look, you want to give it a shot? You go right ahead. And so 
Bruce, played by Jim Carrey, takes the reins. And for the first, you can anticipate some of the humor. Bruce answers all his own prayers, and things seem to be going swimmingly. And it sounds like, a, like one of these movies where Hollywood has at last like, entered into the land of the irredeemable uh, plots. It's actually kind of touching, because there's this one scene when Bruce wakes up and he sees an inbox, or a, just a list of prayers, hundreds of thousands of prayers, all earnest, all sincere for jobs, for children, for parents, for world, etc. And he's overwhelmed, and so he just presses yes to all. All prayer requests are answered yes, and you can see the plot begin to, un uh, the, 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 the implications, uh, you know, this answered prayer contradicts that answered prayer, and uh, the unforeseen consequences continue to unfold, and pretty soon it's just absolute disaster, right, you know, you know, Streets are on fire and uh, it's mass chaos. And Morgan Freeman finally, God finally calls uh, Bruce Almighty back in and, and Bruce happily relinquishes his, um, his, his divine powers and authority. And it's just making a simple point. You know, Bruce was, had only one perspective. <laughs> Why? This seems good. This seems reasonable. Uh, but the point of the movie was you just don't know. Right? There's, the Almighty has his own way, reasons. And you think of Peter. Why, Lord, can't I follow you? Well, Peter, here's why. I'm going off to prepare a place for you. I'll come back. And I'm sure Peter said, huh, what? It didn't make sense to him. There's one, uh, one of our presenters as they discussed anxiety, said one of the symptoms of anxiety is overthinking. Overthinking, in other words, our mind gets on a little bit of a hamster wheel. Why? Why didn't this go the way I wanted it to go? What? I, this seems to be so good, so reasonable. Why, 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 why? And I think for me, one of the most helpful passages about anxiety is from Psalm 131. In that psalm, the author says, very short, I can read the whole thing. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things that are too great for me, but I have calmed and I have quieted my soul like a weaned child within me, like a weaned child within me. It's just a very touching image and a compelling one when your mind is racing at 4 a.m. in the morning. I have calmed and quieted my soul. And this psalm reminds us of two things. One, God's, in this case, maternal care, like, like a mother caring for their child. In other places, God's paternal care our Father who art in heaven, reminds us of God's maternal or paternal care for his children and further reminds us of our limitations. A child does not know everything that is going on in the parent's life. When I was a kid, there was nothing that I wanted more than a dog, a pet dog. Please, Mom, please. Now that I have a pet dog, I know why they won't let me have a pet dog. 
A child just does, just does not know everything that is going on in the lives of the parent, but a child will trust the parent at the best. That's a little bit of what I think is going on in the life of Peter and Jesus' response to Peter. Peter, you don't know. You don't know the whole story. You just have to trust me. How do you... How do we prevent our hearts from becoming anxious? Well, trust in Jesus. By the way, everything I'm going to share is going to be right down the fairway. There's no antidote to anxiety. You're going to think, oh my gosh, I just have never thought about that. I was walking through CVS and I saw one of these things on, you know, top 10 ways to prevent anxiety. I thought, well, gosh, I want to know that. So I thumbed through the pages and it was like, well, walk outside get plenty of exercise. Like, there's, there's no secrets, there's no silver bullet. These are all things that we just need to be reminded of. One way to prevent anxiety is trust. Second, follow Jesus. Look at uh, the question of, I think it's uh, Thomas. Thomas says, Lord, we'll follow you. We just don't know where you are going. And obviously Jesus is referring to eternity, referring to heaven. And interestingly, Thomas thinks of heaven as some sort of address, right? You know, go down the road, take a right, you know, hop on it. Then you'll get to heaven. Tell us where to go. And Jesus' response is, I am the way, I am the truth. Here's the thing about the Christian belief of eternity. The defining characteristic of eternity is that we are with Jesus. And our Eucharistic prayer will conclude by saying that you will bring all things under your subjection and we will see you face to face. In other words, what defines Heaven for Christians is the fact that Jesus will be there. And if Jesus is there, it's heaven. If he's not there, you know, in other words, the, the, the critique of Christianity being too narrow, we think that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Yes, because Jesus is what you get at heaven. But that for another sermon. Thomas's question, where are we going? We don't know the way. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Follow me, you'll get to where you are going. Yes? And I think that's true. One antidote, one way we prevent anxiety is by staying close to Jesus. I've referenced our property search throughout these sermons, and I do so because I want to keep you informed, and I do so also because it's a great test case. How does faithfulness look in real life, in challenging situations? And the search for a property, and we're, as you know, we're in a period of waiting, waiting for a response. We've put our offer in. That could be very, that could be a season that's just filled with anxiety. That's a big deal. You've given very generously. I think I can speak for most of the vestry where would I, we, I don't feel, and I don't think our vestry feels very anxious. Regardless of the significance of the decision, and, and it's not that we are confident, we're hopeful, we feel like we put a good offer in, but friends, there is a good possibility that you and I will be looking for a new place to worship. That's just the way it is. So our, our lack of anxiety does not come from our confidence. 
As I look back at the way we've acted, I think our confidence comes from, our lack of anxiety comes from two things. Number one is we've tried to do the right thing. And I've shared this a little. I'm not trying to float our boat or, or pat ourselves on the back. But we have, as a vestry, have been deliberate. Okay, we're pursuing a church. We're pursuing a church in front of a body of, of believers. How we go about this matters. And so, you know, we made a few uh, commitments. We commit to not saying anything negative about uh, anybody, um, a potential bidder, nothing. We're not going to say anything negative about anybody else. We're going to be clear and candid in our communication. We're not going to enter rounding errors uh, to get a more favorable loan, right? In other words, you remember those braces that said WWJD? <laughs> what, how would Jesus buy a property? No one said that explicitly, but we were just more attentive to trying to listen and follow the Lord and do so in a way that would honor him. And this point is proved by its opposite. The book of Proverbs say the wicked flee, uh, though no one pursueth, right? While the righteous are as bold as a lion. And I think part of the reason for a lack of anxiety, and believe me, I'm anxious about plenty of other things, but our, a lack of anxiety here is just a commitment to try to do the right thing. And it comes with a steady, steadiness. The second thing I would say is why this has been marked with a lack of anxiety is we've been active. We were active in our pursuit. Uh, now that we don't, now we're in a period of waiting, we're active in thinking, what if, you know, we're knocking on all the doors of what could come next? theaters and other churches and schools. In other words, we're, Jesus described himself as the way, and the way involves motion. And it just strikes me that in order to follow him, you and I will be in motion as well. Back to one of our presenters who said, uh, one, anxiety is expressed by overthinking and underacting. And it just seems to me that we can't always think our way out of our anxiety. We have to Pick a course and pursue it. So again, Philip's, Jesus' response to Philip. We don't know where we're going, Jesus says. You just follow me and you'll make it eventually. And I think that's true for you and me. Again, that's not a silver bullet, but it's one way that we can prevent, we can do a little bit of what Jesus says. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Third and final. Uh, third and final. Uh, this is a request. Um, it's a request from Philip. Lord, actually not a question, but a statement. Lord, show us a father and that will be enough. I think the subtext is just give us a little more, Lord. Give us a little more assurance and then we'll be confident. Like, can you give us a sign? And you'll note that Jesus' response to Philip is corrective, very gentle with Peter, very gentle with Thomas. Thomas, follow me. But when Philip says, Lord, just give us a little more. Give us a sign. You almost get the sense that Jesus is taking Philip by the scruff, by the, by, by the, by the jacket and say, come on, Philip. I've, I've been with you this entire time. You know, there's a... The psalmist writes in Psalm 37, I have been young, now I am old, 
but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, wrote this, your love in time past forbids me to think that you'll leave me now at last in my troubles to sink. Isn't that great? Your faithfulness in times past forbids me to think you're going to leave me now in my trouble to sink. I was visiting with a parishioner, and about a year ago, this parishioner, a married couple, had gone through a job transition, and the, and the husband was anxious and worried about, you know, what comes next, and he was sharing his anxieties with his spouse, and the spouse says, this is, you know what, you're, you're right, and this is done with love and care, et cetera, but the spouse, with tongue-in-cheek, said, you're probably right. Here is the moment when God is going to forget us. <laughs> no. Sometimes when we are, our hearts are troubled, where we're encountering those storms of life, we just have to take ourselves by the emotional scruff of the neck and say, stop. Think. Think about God's faithfulness in the past. Think about God's faithfulness to his people throughout. Think. When have I not been enough for you? So let me summarize. I think this passage tells us that troubled hearts, troubled hearts are simply unavoidable. It is part of the human condition. Yet Jesus tells his disciples, don't let troubles take up a permanent home in your heart. Don't let your life be dominated by anxiety. How can we do this? First, by knowing our limitations like a child on their mother's breast. Mom and dad know. You and I will likely never know. We simply have to trust that he knows what he's doing. Number two, our anxieties are expressed by the question, where do we go? What do we do? One way we let our hearts not be troubled is by actively and deliberately following him. Third and final, our anxieties are expressed by the question of enough. Is God enough? Am I enough? Will he be enough? And to that, we simply have to remind ourselves that his love in times past forbids me to think that he'll leave me at last in my troubles to sink. I think these principles are summarized very well for us in Proverbs chapter 4, and here we conclude. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will take you out of troubled waters, and he will make your path straight. Please rise.